Hello and welcome to Hockey Talk right here on Whiteman TV all across the network. I'm Steve Fitzsimmons along with Paul Hillier and Andy Clark as usual. Jamie Bennett will join us in the second half. We've got a great guest um, on deck for you. We have Aaron Cooney, the Director of Sales, Marketing and Media and more importantly, the play-by-play -play voice of the Erie Otters on their radio network is joining us. And Aaron, uh, we really appreciate your time tonight and we certainly want to talk all kinds of Erie Otters. Hey, thanks for having me on, Steve. Glad to join you guys again. Uh, it's a yearly thing that I get to hop on, so uh, happy to be on one more time. Well, appreciate that. So, Aaron, just on social media, we've seen a, a video emerging here in the last day or two um, called The Otter's Way, and it basically, to some degree, I guess, is a highlight of, of the, the Erie Otters program and some of the people that have went through it. And we're going to show that here in just a couple minutes, but uh, can you just tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, you know, it was kind of a project that we came together, Dave Brown had mentioned trying to spice up our, uh, the, the organization's recruiting uh, methods and the way they kind of go about it. And what better way than using video? It's, I mean, for, for a kid that's, they're always on their phone. For parents, it's easy to grasp and kind of watch. So why not highlight what the otters are kind of all about between some of the alumni, whether it's high profile guys that are in the NHL, like Connor McDavid, uh, Dylan Strom, Alex Dobrynkit, but even some of the guys that have gone on and have used their time with the Erie Otters to go and make careers for themselves in, in, in other ways. A, guys like, a guy like Patrick Fellows, who um, was maybe more of a role player for the Erie Otters during his career, uh, but was certainly a big part of the locker room, an alternate captain and, uh, into his final season as an overager and, and off to a pretty good start in his uh, university career at Ryerson. So uh, he had great things to say and kind of an emotional moment you'll see in that video where uh, he had his final address to the Otters crowd and a guy like Spencer Abraham who just won a Queens Cup uh, with the Queens Gales uh, playing university as he wraps up his career and moving on and is going uh, to continue into law school. So there's it's just kind of to show you know what playing coming and committing to the Erie Otters is a lot the organization has to offer whether it's uh, you know you go on and you, and you play in the NHL that's where we want to get you there but we're going to help the team organization helps you grow as a person uh, as a young man and uh, into success in your future all right well let's have a look at the Otters way playing in the area, I think it was so good for me to be able to move away from home even at a young age. It was difficult at the time and hard on my family, but I think looking back it was a good choice and, and, and something that I would never, you know, never regret or, or wouldn't do it any other way. So um, I definitely loved it, getting to know the guys and, and being so close with the, the guys and, and friends that you have for a lifetime now. And, um, and we were able to put together some good years. From everybody to the people that wait after games, before games, to the fans, season ticket holders, fan clubs, staff, coaches, everyone that supports us, it, it means the world to me and I'm so proud to be an Erie Otter. Four years of being here, I've grown as a person, as a player, and I get to be just every day here with the boys. Living every day like our last, loving, loving life, love playing hockey here in Erie. What I took away from my experience went far beyond on-ice development. Playing the OHL not only provided me with, you know, the skills and the mindset to be a successful professional hockey player, but 
More importantly, it, it equipped me with the attributes to help me thrive in the harsh realities of life. Very successful people, very successful players, they have great careers. And that's because they bring it every day. They're consistent. Not with their performance, because everyone has good days and bad days, but with their habits. Their discipline, their work ethic, their focus, and their mindset not to relish on past accomplishments or dread the work that awaits. What they did the day before or the year before means little. It's the reason I wake up every day with the words on my whiteboard that say, start over. It's a reminder of myself as a player, a student, or a young professional that I must prove myself again today. Playing in Erie was the best few years of my life. I uh, had a lot of great memories there. Um, winning a championship was one of the best days of my life. So, uh, I mean, I don't think I'd be here without going there. And, uh, it's uh, something I'll never forget and a place that's really special to my heart. When I first got drafted to Erie, um, I didn't really know what to expect. I was kind of worried about going to a new country and a new city and new school and new friends and living away from home. But um, when I first got there, it was just um, everyone took me in like, like my own family. And, um, had great billets, um, all the guys really close, um, we make it uh, like a family, like I said, and um, I still keep in contact with my billets today, so, uh, you know, it's six years I've known them, and they're awesome people, so, um, you know, parents that uh, don't know if their kids are going to be, you know, safe or, or whatever, um, no, it's definitely a, you know, a safe environment, and it's a lot of fun, they treat you like their own kids, um, meals all the time, whenever you want, they just pretty much do anything for you. You know, the guys there are awesome, you know, the, the team is, is always a, you know, a close group. Uh, you know, we get to do a lot of things together and you can go to the movies and, and hang out and do, you know, average kid stuff in, in high school and you also get to play, you know, top level hockey in the world. So, um, you know, it's definitely the, the fastest track to get to the NHL, I believe. And uh, that OHL championship and, and the times I had and that last goal by Tony uh, going into, you know, to, to send us to the Mem Cup, uh, you know, I'll just never forget stuff like that. And, um, it's just things like that that you, know, you can kind of just you'll, you'll never forget for the rest of your life. Well, certainly a, uh, a powerful video uh, for recruiting, no question uh, about it, Aaron Cooney, and uh, you know highlighted you know certainly some of the star players, but also um, players that uh, were heart and soul type players that have gone a different path that, than uh, than the NHL guys as well. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing is to, you know, to kind of show everything that's kind of offered. Um, some of the specifics that you had from Dylan Strom just mentioning, you know, I had no idea, you know, what to expect. It is going to a different country. What are you going to, what's going to happen there? How are you going to get treated? Uh, but the auditors do a great job in the way, you know, recruiting uh, billet families and a uh, school program that goes to that sends students to or players to one of the best schools in Pennsylvania uh, with the Fairview School District that they're, you know, uh, that we're organized with um, and just everything we're able to offer. You got a top notch owner and it's all first class from Jim Waters and the way he treats not only his employees, but the players. And uh, I don't think you'll find a many other places that the you know where the 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 players and the organization is taken care of the way that jim waters is uh, uh put the funds in to make sure that these guys are treated correctly and treated right and everybody's treated right uh from an organizational uh perspective and for the for the players to, to kind of see who's gone through here um and let's face it you, you kind of have to show some of these not the nhl stars but i mean you 
the percentages are pretty low. Guys that come in and play in the OHL, even going from minor midget to the OHL, that percentage is low. And further on, as you get go and, and move up, I mean, the percentage of guys making it to the NHL, it's, it's still a slim margin. And you got to be able to offer and, and show what an organization can do for you uh, with coming to Erie, where you can go after this and, and, and what's available to you and see the footsteps that have been taken by some of the alumni of the re recent years. Good point. And you mentioned Jim Waters, of course, uh, uh, in southwestern Ontario, he's well known as he was the uh, the chairman of Chum Radio, um, and, and of course his family sold the Chum Radio Group uh, a number of years ago. And in his retirement, he's decided to to have a, a, a very professional hockey franchise in the Erie Otters, and of course won an OHL championship back in 2016-17. Aaron, let's go back to that time if we can. Um, when we look back at that. Uh, you know, Connor McDavid had already moved on to the NHL um, and wasn't able to get it done with the Erie Otters. But, uh, you know, Dylan Strom, Alex Dabrinkit, uh, making some trades to get Anthony Sorelli, Warren Fogle, all NHL guys now. Um, Eric Chernak, I mean, a guy that's playing extraordinarily well for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, what an underrated and, and valuable piece on that team. And, and a guy like Kyle Maximovich, of course, who you guys moved at the trade deadline. Uh, just such a valuable uh, score for for many years with the Erie Otters. I mean, it was just on and on and on with uh, with talented players on that club. Yeah, and it's funny because after that, uh, the run in 2014, 2015, where the Otters, that final year with Connor McDavid, you somehow got through the on the back of Connor McDavid with his, I mean, some 20 points that he had in uh, in that series alone to defeat the Sioux Greyhounds, another juggernaut team in six games, and, and unfortunately falling to the eventual Memorial Cup champion and Anthony Sorelli, a future Erie Otter in the, uh, the Oshawa Generals that year. Um, after 14-15, everybody kind of had the Otters written off, that it was uh, you know time to sell, it was time to move guys away, that you, you weren't going to see Dylan thrown back for a fourth year in the way on and on and on, that uh, it's time to move on. But, I mean, credit to Dave Brown, when he was hired as general manager, Looking at his uh, the talent in the roster they had available, working with Chris Knobloch on uh, what they had for that that follow up season in 15-16, um, knowing just to stay put. I mean, it's another good team. It's another team that won 50 50 games. It won the Hamilton Spectator Trophy um, for the regular season championship in the OHL. That that 15-16 group, um, but eventually fell to uh, you know ran into the buzzsaw that was the London Knights that year. They won. 16 straight games on their way to Memorial Cup, OHL Championship, then Memorial Cup Championship. Um, you know, they didn't didn't move any parts, and I know it was disappointing for a lot of the guys uh, on that squad in 2015-2016 for the overagers, knowing that, kind of, that the team just stayed put at the trade deadline. Um, and for guys like Alex DeBrinkin and Dylan Strom, where, you know, professional careers were, were on the horizon, you didn't know if it was going to be the next season or or uh, maybe they'll be back for one more year. So there's kind of a lot that was floating in the air in 2015, 2016. Uh, but at the end of the season, you, you knew you saved your assets for what you're going to have available. You, you drafted a really good player at Alan McShane, who's uh, gone on to put a pretty good career for himself uh, in the Ontario Hockey League, drafted into the NHL as well with the Montreal Canadiens. And they just built from within. They were able to, I mean, if you look at that group, um, they had to go out and acquire a goaltender to losing Devin Williams, but for the most part, it was all kind of within over the last couple of years. You to, what you all you have to do when you look at you, you know some championship teams, you just got to find that right piece. Um, and I think Dave Brown, when you got Dylan Strome back, you knew, uh, in, and I think that was in November, um, you, you knew you were going to push all the chips into the middle. You knew you were going to go for it and go all in, and it was starting to identify the pieces that would round out that team and finish off kind of the... Um, 
uh, the, the depth you were looking for, especially scoring wise. And then identifying that you can get a guy like Anthony Sorelli, who would show to be how clutch he was and Warren Fogle, probably an underrated piece there. I mean, he only spent half a season with the Kingston Frontenacs uh, when he joined the OHL during 2015-2016. And then Ear is able to prime away for uh, a pair of picks in Brett Newman. And Warren Vogel stepped right in, really showed up when in crunch time when it came to the postseason and was the uh, Wayne Gretzky 99 award winner for, for playoff MVP as well during that championship run. And and outside of that, you, you, they had their guys that they built from within. Darren Radish was a longtime member of five-year Otter. Kyle, Kyle Pettit, uh, probably one of the underrated guys in the Ontario Hockey League, 40 did defensively, uh, but also really found a, a scoring touch in his final two seasons. Um, but you may not find a better, you know, defensive forward during that time in the OHL, especially on faceoffs. Um, and this group just really came together for that season with all that talent that you mentioned. Um, and with that, the, the turnover came. But I mean, the legacy is there with the, the OHL championship coming together from. Dylan Strom, a four-year member. Alex Debrinka, three years. I mentioned Darren Radish, who's the the, the the team leader in points from the blue line as a defenseman. Um, Eric Chernak is another one that, that played two years with the Erie Otters, had that first year to kind of marinate in the OHL in 15-16, his first year, and came back even more confident, stronger, uh, with an offseason and, and sent by the LA Kings back to, to junior hockey for one more season. Eventually traded during the season to in the Ben Bishop deal uh, over to the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And boy, they've Tampa Bay's done a great job of identifying OHL talent to, to put on their roster. So um, those guys are all enjoying. And you look at the, the, that print, um, seven, eight guys now that are playing in the National Hockey League and playing pretty good minutes. And uh, the Erie Otters, they've done the last couple of years. And for them, never had a whole lot of a lot of picks when they've made the most out of them, whether it's finding a guy like Debrinket and you're going to scout Frankie Pucci up in uh, up in northern Michigan, up in near Sault Ste. Marie, and you just happen to catch this guy to, to, to sign him. And then other than that, do you, you got to hit on your picks like a guy like Dylan Strom. So um, we're getting close to party selection time here, just, uh, just coming up on the weekend here on Saturday. So uh, it all kind of leads to that. And Iron, uh, with with the priority selections coming up now, I mean, Erie, unfortunately, this year did not make the postseason. But what positive things can did you notice throughout the course of the year that is looking good for Erie for the upcoming season next year and maybe even two seasons from now? Well, who did you notice that stood out as a, as a building block for this team for the next year? Uh, you know, there's there was a lot of things. I remember just talking to Chris Hartsburg on you know the process for this group you knew the rebuild was going to happen after the championship season where you're, you're going to unload guys like Jordan Sambrook and Taylor Radish. Um, but you wanted to take that young group and turn them into everyday OHL players, knowing how to prepare their bodies uh, to be ready to go for every single game. You know, you're going to play three and threes. You know, you're going to have bus legs and travel and schoolwork and everything to deal with. Uh, but it was getting that group accustomed to the lifestyle in the Ontario hockey league. And then you look at this past season, year two, where it was finding a consistent game. If you go back and look at Erie in 17-18, uh, there were a lot of games where you get up and in a game early, and they lost a lot of games in overtime and uh, lost a lot of leads in the third period. Well, things have kind of flipped around, at least for this group. They've, they've found a little more consistency. They've been looking for that. From the second half on, they've been a lot better. They've been very good in, in one-goal games this past year. I believe they led the league, tied for the league lead. Uh, with victories in, in one goal games and I believe is tied with the uh, uh, 
the Sudbury Wolves, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, overtime games, overtime wins tied with the Guelph Storm, they, you know, nine of them on the season. So they've they've found ways to to win tight games, to play hard against teams night in, night out. That was kind of the next step in the process. And when you look at this roster and what's it going to be moving forward, it was the third youngest team in the league. Uh, throughout the season so uh, you had to trade away some parts and Kyle Maximovich you only had one overager and it was Cole Cece uh, as a goaltender who kind of stepped in uh, to to help out and, and give Daniel Murphy a bit of a break who's kind of been identified as the Erie Otters guy over the next couple of years and um, and ended the takeover when Dan Murphy got hurt so that was your only overager and outside of that they're you know pretty young you got a guy like Jamie Drysdale who beginning of the season very highly touted GTHO player of the year as a defenseman uh, captaining the Toronto Marlboros last year and and then his first OHL year steps right in and he's playing top pairing minutes he's running the power play for an OHL team as a 16 year old and uh, put up 40 points as well so a, a pretty good year for him uh, the way he's kind of stepped in will be a building block for this team uh, for the future moving moving ahead um, second year guys when you look at Players like Chad Yetman, who took a huge, uh, you know, mega leap forward, um, almost quadrupling his production on from his rookie year to his second year, uh, and has filled in as a, a nice centerman for the Erie Otters when given that kind of role. They they moved him over, moved him in to play the middle, um, responsible defensively, and has also found uh, some chemistry along the way. Uh, Emmett Sproul has taken a step forward for the Erie Otters. He had a follow-up season uh, doubled his production as well from rookie campaign to his second year uh, the, the unfortunate thing for the otters is some of the pieces that you identified that were going to be uh, part of this group moving forward just injury trouble kind of caught up to you and that's that's part of the game a guy like Hayden Fowler who missed 41 games with that upper body injury was hoping to take that next step forward he kind of he showed that uh, some offensive uh, spurts there when he came back after the injury uh, scored in three straight games and he finished up with some goals there in, in the month of March to, to round out his season but didn't get to play that complete year with that shoulder injury that kept him out more than half the season a guy like Max Golod who really started to find his game struggled out of the gate uh, and then he got into after the Christmas break and just got back to some basics and things started to click for him and then he got sick and then he got hurt and he never got to finish. So those are two two guys that you'd like to see uh, next season stay healthy and also be major producers and leaned on by the coaching staff to be producers for this group. Um, and we'll see what happens come NHL draft because the Otters are pretty thrilled with a guy like Peter Chaika to come in uh, as an import pick. Uh, to, to come in out of that top-tier Swiss Junior League and, and score 20 goals for the Erie Otters in his first year, adjusting to his first time in North America, uh, was an invite for the Czech team for the World Junior Championship, probably a player for them come next season, at least compete for a roster spot as they held him there to kind of gel and, and, and mesh with the team and, and learn how what it takes to be a uh, to play on that under 20 uh, championship level kind of competition. So um, the pieces are there. You kind of all expect this to come back and this team's going to be younger, uh, taking that next step forward and continue that consistency into what the next step would be. They wanted to be a play playoff team this past year, just wasn't in the cards, uh, dealing with what they had to. It's a pretty tough schedule down the stretch. You know, lost, uh, probably didn't get... We can look back at the schedule and see some games that you really wanted when you look at two losses to the Kingston Frontenacs, uh, especially one on home, the ice that wasn't very good. Uh, so there was uh, 
some times there that you you wish you got some points out of some games that you showed up or would have picked that up and maybe you are a playoff team but it's all building into the right direction there's a plan and a place going forward and they like where this group is at right now you uh, mentioned Cole Cece was one of your overagers this year. So I just wanted to ask a bit about your goaltending situation. Uh, you already mentioned that Daniel Murphy's probably the guy moving <coughs> forward. He played 45 games for you this year. I was kind of wondering about the role for uh, Noah Bataglia, who's also an 18-year-old, mm -hmm. played some good playoff hockey in the GOJHL for the St. Catharines Falcons. So what kind of role do you see for uh, Noah Bataglia, and can he compete with Daniel Murphy for the number one spot? Uh, you know what? Noah had a great camp, and there was a reason training camp, and that was a reason he uh, came in as a free agent during the the Otters prospect uh, rookie development camp uh, last May, and earned himself an invite to training camp. And from there, he, he was lights out in camp and beat on an Oberoi out for a for the backup role. And after that, you know, I don't know, jumping into the the OHL's first game, he was just. Uh, you know, it was a shooting gallery in the Otters, and then he gave him much help in his first start in, in Mississauga. Um, the Otters had a tough time. He saw some 40 shots, and Owen Tippett, I mean, when you, they gave him a breakaway, and that was the first one, and then the other one is just that shot from the, from, the, from the wing. So that was tough to start for him. So he had a hard time getting into the OHL, and I think that kind of it, it affected his confidence in playing in the OHL level, and he never really seemed to recover to get to where he was at, the way he looked in training camp. Um, and, and to that point, the, the Otters had a hard time going to, to, to Noah, and that was the reasoning why they made the move into. They wanted to get a, send him, if they can get him to a place, play with St. Catharines, uh, get that confidence back up, and you know what? We're going to see you next year at camp, and you're going to be fighting for that spot one more time. So for goaltending and for prospect, Dan, Dan Murphy is a guy that they've they've liked he's been a great story from the final pick in the draft to to now a start in the ontario hockey league um dan murphy's been great finished out the end of the season was injured didn't get to play much uh they're hoping recovery and have him ready to go for training camp as well with a, a lower body injury kept him out for the final month and a half of the season um but there's some you know prospects as well the otters drafted a guy last year uh in aiden campbell out of uh, the, the pittsburgh penguins uh junior elite team uh and right now is competing for a national championship with that penguins elite and just if you look at his stats uh, you know playing i think he's finished the year he led the league in goals against averages a 0.49 uh a 940 save percentage this guy's six foot four a ton of size to him uh they really like the kid and, and it's somebody that uh they had at their final game of the regular season, uh, taking on the Guelph Storm at the Erie Insurance Arena Saturday night with over 5,000 people there. The game didn't go the way the Otters wanted, but you had a lively crowd. You have uh, you know, a lot of fun, you could tell, by being in the building and a, a team that has a lot of uh, you know, spark coming up for the next couple of seasons. And you're hoping that that kind of recruiting movement, not just the video, but if you could bring a guy in like that for a visit, and it's just two hours south of Erie heading down to Pittsburgh. So a short drive for him be close to family you're really hoping this and this is a guy that they're really hoping they can get uh, committed to the organization and, and maybe another goaltender of the future to kind of step in and take the reins after dan murphy but we'll see what happens with that one but those are kind of those are kind of the two guys in the pipeline right now um if erie is able to get this get things completed once Aiden campbell's uh, that's just a name to remember on, on the way moving forward that's uh, a guy that they're able to get committed and, and join the program here once his season wraps up and they finish up the national championships. Aaron, uh, let's talk a little NHL. Um, back uh, 
you know, mid-season, the Arizona Coyotes decided to move on from Dylan Strom after really not giving him a whole lot of opportunity in my mind as well. Yeah, um, they trade him to the Chicago Blackhawks and he becomes instant line mates with his, his partner in crime with the Erie Otters, Alex Dabrinkit, and he goes from 20 games, he had six points with Arizona to 55 games with Chicago, 48 points, looking like a, a star player in the NHL. Um, and of course, Alex Dabrinkit, 41 goals, 74 points. Um, I'm sure of, of people that we know, you're probably the least surprised to, to, that he had success um, with that move. Not at all. And it was, I know the knock on Dylan has always been his, his skating and he's, you know, can't keep up at the NHL level. But I mean, there, there aren't many guys that you'll find that have a mind and a way to think the game that, that Dylan does. He sees things happen before they happen. Um, and you, you see it in the, the, the connection that he has with Alex to bring it. And you saw it in the Ontario hockey league and what he's able to do over 300 points in the OHL and, um, lead, you know, otters leader in, in scoring for what he's able to accomplish in his four seasons at the, the OHL. Um, but to, to give up on this guy, I mean, look at where he was at. It, the, the situation just wasn't good in, in, in Arizona. Um, I get his first year, you know, up and down a little bit, uh, mainly in the, the BAHL. We had a good season with with Tucson. Uh, was an All Star with the with the Roadrunners as well for the in the AHL All Star game. And then um, you get to this year, you want to take that leap. But he, Dylan Strome, you got to surround him with 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 skill and talent. Um, that's that that's how he plays. He's a skilled player. Uh, he's a playmaker. He, he's not going to, you know, play five, six, seven minutes on the third, fourth line and grind you out uh, some some minutes and, and maybe put up a few points. Like this this is a guy that's a, a high, highly skilled player. Um, and the situation where they put him at to play in the third, fourth line and he you know, you're he's not gonna he's not gonna make a whole lot happen there with uh, that kind of grinded out kind of game. And you can see that you know frustration was there and I'm sure this is a guy that put a ton of pressure on him when you look at who went in the NHL draft around him, obviously his teammate Connor McDavid going one. Um, you see guys like uh, the, the season Eichel or the year career Eichel's having as well went two, and uh, Mitch Marner from the London Knights, a buddy of his that, that that went after him to the Toronto Maple Leafs and had been in the NHL a year before him, and he's having a great success and it's going to get paid this summer. Uh, but you know, Dylan, I'm sure put a ton of pressure on himself because he had he was penned as the savior. For the Arizona Coyotes to take him to the promised land, to turn him into a, the, the franchise around and turn him into a contender year in, year out. And uh, I think that wore on him as well. Now the change, I think, has been the greatest thing for him and for his NHL career. You go to a place where there's already established stars. You, you know Kane and Taves. Uh, those are going to be the guys that are going to lead the way for you. And he can kind of take a step back uh, out of the limelight a little bit and just play hockey and just concentrate on playing hockey. And he's had that opportunity. And I think he's back to just, you know, it doesn't hurt having Alex to He's having fun again. You can kind of tell, uh, I know they're going to miss out on the playoffs this year, but um, stepping in on that trade, going and living with Alex to and sleeping on his couch for a little bit to, to get through the, uh, finding an apartment and everything like that, that goes into being a pro. He, uh, and then finding his game, that's uh, thats where he's been at. He's been onto a tear. He's probably going to, should finish up with three games left. Uh, he's got 19 goals, so should be a 20-goal score in the NHL. Um, he's, what, 55 points. I think he's sixth or seventh in, in, in scoring on the Chicago Blackhawks. 
um, it's really taken off. And that's just the first start. So this is really, you kind of look at his first NHL year, and it's just going to grow from there, from a guy that can shown that he can produce points and he's shown that he can now do it at the NHL level. And I think the Coyotes are going to be kicking themselves on this one that they didn't really set the guy up. You know, it was kind of like taking the, trying to jam the square peg in the round hole and then they just gave up on it. Uh, but, you know, just need a little time and, and he's kind of showing him right now. I'm sure he's enjoying a bit of a payback. I know he's a competitive guy. Um, so I'm sure he's enjoying being able to put up points and being able to show, prove people wrong, prove doubters wrong that, you know, hey, I am an NHL player. Completely agree, and uh, and his line mate, of course, Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, interestingly enough, he has 41 goals. He's tied with a guy named Connor McDavid with 41 goals. <laughs> Not a bad showcase for the Erie Otters franchise uh, with those two gentlemen. And I mean, with McDavid, uh, three consecutive 100-point seasons. Uh, you know him well. He's a great young man. Uh, you have to be thrilled to see what he's done. It's it's exciting, right? For I mean. For Erie to have a, a guy, this guy, Conor McDavid, leads off any sort of, as you saw in the video earlier, he leads off any sort of, uh, whether it's marketing or trying to market the franchise or advertising, you know, this is where Conor McDavid played. And I think that's the first thing people think of, too, like Erie Otters. This is where Conor, Conor McDavid played here. Uh, he's known with that logo. He's known with that, that, that the jersey um, from coming up and playing his junior days. And he's still on the Sportsnet broadcast for their yeah. highlight, the sizzle reel, where he's doing that four-sport move into the uh, on the the game that kind of clinched the series against the Sioux Greyhounds in, in 2015. So 300-point seasons. Um, you know, they had that great run just two years ago, and I still don't know how this organization has gone from uh, a game away from advancing to a conference final to – uh, missing the playoffs two straight years and now into the disaster where they're at and we're talking, you know, at one point lottery pick material where we thought that they were going to be that bad. Um, Connor McDavid is doing everything he can and then some for the organization and you just hope that the Edmonton Oilers can get things on the rails to some degree to allow him to compete and play in the playoffs. It was, you know, seeing that video the other day of his uh, media availability after the game when they were finally officially mathematically eliminated and out of the playoffs and you know he said it and you can see just the uh, disappointment in his face just, you know not only is he a great player and uh, all these skills that he has but he's a huge competitor i mean he won just about everything and it had to be you know killing him right now not to be in the postseason and not to play for a, a stanley cup and not to be in the playoffs just to continue his season i mean to be done mid-april for Connor mcdavid just doesn't make any sense not just for for him but for the nhl and for uh the game as a whole trying to grow it uh in north america and and, and, and around the world to not be able to see your best player on the planet play at the most critical time it just doesn't make any sense so um it at least shows you that the nhl is not rigged because <laughs> if the nhl wanted to be rigged he would have ended up in in buffalo or somewhere on the east coast so you could market that guy and play on the east coast time zone rather than uh 10 30 at night on the west coast but yeah he's been everything that that he was hyped up to be and just to finally he needs just a chance to shine at the the biggest stage and we're, we're going to see even more from him so it, it it's crazy to think he's just four years ago he was playing uh in the postseason the ohl playoffs and and now well, three seasons four seasons in the nhl missed some time that first year with injury but hasn't missed a beat 100 plus points in in the last three seasons it's pretty incredible and uh, Aaron, uh, another player that uh, did play for the Erie Otters for a couple of seasons and is, is, is definitely going to the playoffs this year in the NHL. I'm not sure for how long yet, but uh, 
Uh, a good young defenseman named Travis Dermott, uh, currently with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, we have a big Toronto crowd around here. What did you see in his game when he was with the Otters that you thought maybe this guy will be a, a solid player in the NHL? Travis Dermott, uh, not to forget Connor Brown, too, is uh, yeah, an Otters too, captain. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's having a pretty pretty good career for another guy that was kind of doubted on and, and undersized and, yeah. you know, what he co accomplished, what he's been able to do, too. That's been pretty impressive. Connor Brown is, a, is another one to, to kind of look at. But for Travis Dermott, I mean, he was he, he was the, the, the prototypical next-generation NHL defenseman where you need to be able to skate, you need to be able to make plays, you need to be able to... Uh, you know, jump in on the rush and you do everything. Puck possession is now everything here in the league, and skating is is everything. And and, and so you don't just have guys that are stay at home and, and sit around. You need you, especially for what Dubas is trying to do. He fits right in, and it just makes sense that he ended up with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. They're going for skill guys, um, and he's a guy that uh, that is highly skilled. And it's funny you can see him. He's not. He's inside the locker room is probably the one thing where where I look at Travis Dermott and. He's just a fun person to, to to be around. He's one of those happy-go-lucky guys. He's uh, you can see some of his his antics on social media too, with some of the posts that I know have come through on his Instagram and everything. But um, that just adds to it to what he does. But on the ice, he was as uh, an anchor on the blue line for Erie in two-way, whatever you needed. I mean, he killed penalties, played on the power play, ran a power play, and you know, five-on-five five was right there whether it's you want to play physical or is it stick on puck or what's it going to be um closing guys out so he was he's exactly what a nhl defenseman is in this day and age and maybe he was a little undersized but you know he doesn't doesn't let that bother him as well it seems to be a theme for the Erie Otters with the yeah. under kind of undersized guys but you now travis dermott is another great piece and just kind of really getting his his wheels going in the nhl and just give him a few more years and i can see him a mainstay on that blue line for a long time to be and uh, as, sorry, as the season ended, uh, the only NHL drafted player you had on your roster was uh, overager Jacob Golden, a defenseman that had come over from uh, London Knights. Uh, he was drafted uh, fifth round, 147th overall in 2017 uh, by the Minnesota Wild. Give us a little bit of a scouting report on Jacob Golden and w where you see things going for him as he graduates out of the OHL. Well, he, he actually he's a 99, so he's he's got one more year. Oh, he's got one more year. Um, okay. He's got one more year. Yeah. So he's uh, that was a piece for Erie when uh, you know talking to Dave Brown around trade deadline time. Um, maybe not looking to add a whole lot, but when you find out a guy like Jake Golden was available, um, you know it it was a time for him. And Dave Brown had said that you know I wanted to jump on this guy. He could be a great great piece for us moving next year when they really want to make a move for or a step forward here and should be a playoff team is what they expect in uh 1920 so jake golden nhl drafted uh, nhl talent um coming from a london knights team that knows how to produce nhl talent as well but they kind of had a log jam on the back end and to have him available it added a piece that a player that erie um other than jamie drysdale didn't really have uh on on the blue line they got a lot of good more probably physical and defensive defenseman drysdale kind of shifts things up a bit and is a good compliment to one of those guys like a curtis henry or a jack duff um but adding jake golden it, this is another guy that is a, a great skater he sees the ice well he loves to jump up on the rush he'll carry the puck in if he has to and cruise it through neutral ice um or you know if he has to he'll 
gets right back defensively, whether whatever it may be, but using that skating ability to uh, to get back and take care of his his position uh, is something that he adds to it. So it was another compliment to a top four that the Otters didn't have, uh, you know, established OHL two-way defensive, and they're a little more defensive. Uh, slow you know not maybe not slower but more physical and a big a bigger brand but this is a guy that kind of adds another dynamic that they didn't have outside of jamie drysdale to fill things in so they expect you know gotta wait and see what happens professionally and how minnesota if they want to go play with iowa or if, uh, you know if he doesn't get signed and he comes back for for an overage year they'll be they're kind of eerie's kind of counting on that when you when you trade for a guy for a, for a guy that you expect to be back in a 99 you didn't trade as a team that's rebuilding just to have a dude for a couple of months you kind of expect him to be back next season but he's definitely going to be in the cards uh and give him another option too on the power play that that they didn't have so you had a guy jamie drysdale running your number one it gives you a solid uh point man and a quarterback on the second power play unit as well so um jake golden is another, another one of those guys you can call him travis dermott light but uh right there a guy that can carry the puck that has confidence with the puck um but also defends well for the team and is expected to be back and be a leader on this team coming back as an overager. Yeah. Aaron, uh, this <clears throat> in the Gray Bruce region here, uh, of course, uh, the Erie Otters have drafted two different players in the first round in recent years. Alan McShane that you referenced, of course, that was traded uh, for Anthony Sorelli that became, you know, part of your OHL championship team. You have to give to get, and they did, and Alan McShane is a Montreal Canadiens draft pick now. But uh, Emmett Sproul, of course, uh, recently, of course, from the Grey Bruce Highlanders as well. Um, just give us your thoughts on the progression you saw this year from, from Emmett Sproul. Yeah, and you know, it was funny. Last year, it really took him a while to, in his first season, to get going, to, to, to find his way in the OHL. And I think you come in, and like a lot of guys, uh, you know, from playing minor major, you've been the guy. It's kind of been a little easy. And now all of a sudden you're back at the bottom of the food chain, the bottom of the totem pole, and you're going to work your way up as uh, as one of the young guys and grow and your body's got to mature and everything like that that goes into it. Um, so he wasn't going to go around. As I know he was um, coming out of the draft, was a guy that was compared to Mitch Marner. And, um, you know, that's kind of tough, big expectations to put on a guy jumping into his first OHL year. Um to perform and, and produce at a, at a rate that Mitch Marner was was, was capable of doing. Um, and it really wasn't until this, after the Christmas break and his first OHL season where things just kind of clicked, came back. I think he was energized. It was nice to go home, relax a little bit. Um, and he came back and, and kind of found his game. And that kind of that carried over into the second year uh, with the Otters. Uh, 13 goals, 37 points. Um, as you mentioned, that's you know almost tripled his production as well from first year to second year and you expect that leap one more forward and uh, you know you can tell that he's he's grown he's gotten taller um, and that's going to continue to add I would imagine as he starts to fill out here soon as well in the next uh, couple of off seasons um, but this year you could tell that he found how he's going to be successful um, in the OHL you know there are it's a difficult league to, to kind of skate around everybody and hold on to that puck and have the highlight real goals and the highlight real plays. It takes hard work. And I think he, when he put his mind to it and was playing in that situation and the way that Chris Hartsburg, uh, Erie's head coach kind of told this team, this is how we're going to be successful. And that group went out and they were hardworking and they made things difficult on, 
other teams. That's where they found success. And uh, Emmett's role was part of that. You know, found some chemistry as well, playing alongside his billet brother and Chad Yetman. They had a pretty good season. Uh, they finished things out with Hayden Fowler on their on their on their wing when he came back from injury. So there was uh, instant chemistry kind of there. That was the future line. It seemed like of the Erie Otters moving forward. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what you, what, what comes next. And on top of that, Emmett Sproul is just a you know he's a great young man. He's been um, you know always happy to see it you can see him in the locker room it's like oh hey Cooney, how you seeing how you doing and always says hello to everybody very polite so he's been he's been a treat to work with as well and as he finds his success in the ohl i think it's only going to grow i think it's just uh you know for a lot of these guys a lot of pressure on your first couple of years because you're like you want to step in you want to make an impact and you want to get drafted because it's the nhl draft right along with that um, but finding the, your success in the Ontario Hockey League is the biggest thing. I think Erie, you know, it's not giving up on this guy. Uh, they expect big things out of him come next year and to be a big part of this team. Final question, Aaron, as we're running short on time here. The OHL playoffs, uh, you know, we're into the semifinals in the Eastern and Western conferences. From what you saw this season, um, who do you think are the two OHL finalists this year? Man, this is the first round when exactly was a thought, right? I thought it was, it was boring. You kind of knew who was going to move on eventually, how it was going to be. But, I mean, four or five games where we're at. And this is really the matchups that I was looking to see. And I've gone back and forth, and I've been able to make a case for just about every team that's left <laughs> moving on to move on to the championship yeah. series. Um, and it just it's kind of going to be, you know, who's going to show up? You, you go matchup by matchup. I mean, the Guelph in, in London series should be pretty interesting. And, you know, if Anthony Popovich has seemed to, re, to, to find that form that you kind of expect that you're going to need from that guy. Um, but London, since the second half of the season, outside of that long winning streak they had in the first half uh, and after the trade deadline, I just don't think they've been the same group. Um, and I think you could see them as the number one seed, kind of, you know, knocked out here in the second round. And then the Saginaw and Sioux series, uh, I still think Saginaw is a stronger team and, and um, Prozatov is really rounded into form after an early struggle to kind of get acclimated with the uh, with the OHL and everything. So um, I, I still I still for me, I see Saginaw moving on out of the out of the Western Conference. Um, just the I mean, even the record they've had since they made the coaching change, they've been consistent since November. Um, and then over in the Eastern Conference, you know, Ottawa You'll get a guy. I think Ukapek Lukin has been the best player in the OHL by far. He makes that team tick. They Sudbury probably. I mean, they're nowhere without him. Uh, he left for the World Junior Championship and they lost all seven games that he wasn't there uh, when he was away winning a gold medal with Finland. So, if that guy's on, I mean, the goaltending duel between Michael DiPietro and Ukapek Lukin should be pretty exciting to watch. And and Niagara and Oshawa. Niagara for me is a team I. If you get them to play a game that they don't want, I'm not sure they're too interested in really playing a physical, grinded out work for their ice. I mean, they were used to just putting up almost five goals a game on average, and even the postseason, they were lighting them up. So I, I wonder if you get them into a style where they don't want to play, are they going to, they're not, they're going to roll over, but they're not going to be too interested in working real hard. Certainly going to be interesting. There's a lot of parity with the teams that are left, a lot of talent yeah. and, and skill, more than we've seen maybe for a while. And uh, there's no doubt it's going to be an exciting finish. Uh, Aaron, uh, certainly uh, miss having you in the playoffs with the Erie Otters, but uh, we really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to chatting with you down the line. Steve, Paul, Andy, thanks for having me on, guys. It was a pleasure.
Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. That's Aaron Cooney, the voice of the Erie Otters on their radio coverage. And we'll be back with more on Hockey Talk right after this. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we just had a great chat with Aaron Cooney, the the play-by-play -play guy for the Erie Otters of the OHL. And uh, you'll notice here I have a familiar face. Jamie Bennett is uh, back in the house here in uh, Whiteman Studios in Hanover, Ontario. And uh, I just want to throw in a quick PS from a couple weeks ago uh, when we had uh, Brooklyn Irwin on as a guest. We started listing through uh, the fact that there's quite a few girls, or women, sorry, from Grey Bruce that are playing university hockey in Canada uh, or NCAA hockey. And I certainly didn't have a definitive list, but since then uh, I, I noticed I forgot to mention Sarah Biesenthal from Chepstow, uh, Chepstow who has just finished uh, playing five years for U Sport in uh, the OUA for the University, uh, sorry, University of Ontario Institute of Technology in Oshawa. She just finished up her uh, fifth season there and graduating out and you know there's probably quite a few I didn't even mention I went through a big long list including Miranda Lance and Regan Kaufman and a whole bunch of local uh, females playing hockey uh, if you know of any other ones feel free to get on our Twitter account at HockeyTalk913 and uh, let us know about them it's always good to know uh, people from this area having success at high levels of hockey uh, I'd like to switch over now to our Twitter poll and it picks up on something we were talking about last week. Uh, we were talking about NHL award winners. And this one was uh, basically asking for people's pick for the Norris Trophy. And uh, Brent Burns got no love. That was interesting because uh, a lot of people have him sort of in the top two as uh, possibilities. Uh, Mark Giordano, former Owen Sound attack player, had 64%. Uh, Morgan Riley, this will make uh, Paul happy. Morgan Riley snaked 32%, and 4% uh, went with someone else. So that's what people were thinking on the Twitter poll. And what we're going to do now is we're heading into the second round of the OHL playoffs. So we're going to do our prognostication and tell people who we think is going to survive and why. And we'll kick off with Jamie over here. Okay, so the first series we're going to look at is the first-seeded Ottawa 67 against the fourth-seeded Sudbury Wolves. Both teams, of course, swept their first-round series, the Wolves taking down the Saga Steelheads and the 67s taking down the Hamilton Bulldogs. Now, the 67s, of course, I represented last week after getting their first-round um, results wrong. I thought that, that Hamilton would at least take one from them, uh, but I'm going to actually repeat that. I'm going to say Sudbury's going to take one, but Ottawa overall is going to take the series in five. I think uh, one of the big differences in this one is going to be the fact that Sudbury has a terrible power play. They finished uh, 20 out of 20 in the regular season. And I just think at this point, when you're getting into such a tight matchup against the powerhouse Ottawa 67s, who have fantastic goaltending, both uh, DiPietro and the backup there, both lights out. And uh, the fact, I think I mentioned previously, the top six uh, players in plus minus in the OHL this year were all Ottawa 67s. You have to bring everything to uh, be able to topple them, and I don't think Sudbury has that, so I'll go Ottawa's taking this one in five games. This seems to be a common theme around here. I mean, the Ottawa 67's lost very few games this year, and they're going to be tough to beat by anybody's standards, and I also have Ottawa taking this series in five. I do think Sudbury will get one 
in either game three we'll, or we'll four. We'll call it the Uka factor. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and you know, and that's the thing. If he could stand on his head, he might give them two games, but uh, if you only have a goaltender, you're not going to beat the Ottawa 67s in a full series. At the other, other end of the rink, they have Di Pietro who yeah. can stand on his head too, right? Yeah. So. So I have the Ottawa 67s in seven because Uka Pekalukkanen was, as Aaron Cooney said, the best player in the OHL this year and a huge difference maker. And when they didn't have him, as he said, they were 0-7, including losing to Flint when they were absolutely horrible. So, but you know what, when you look at the depth of these teams, I mean, Ottawa 67s, Ty Feliber, what a great story, 50-goal scorer this year. Cody Clark, son of Wendell Clark, great player, Washington Capitals draft pick. They're so deep, Chemilevsky, Chiodo, you know, you name it, they've got a great back end in Ball, Hoffenmeyer, Rippin, and of course Kyle Maximovich um, up front was a great addition at the trade deadline in his two games in the playoffs. He has four points, including two goals. Sudbury, not as deep, but they have some talent up front. You know, we obviously know the story about David Levin. We talked to, uh, about that recently. Uh, Ruzichka from the, the, the uh, Sarnia Sting has been over a point a game for them. Uh, Quinton Byfield was the second best rookie in the league. He was number one overall last year. And of course, the pesky pelons who drive you crazy, and they're going to get under the skin of the Auto 67. But really, you know, when you look at them, their depth on defense, they have Cole Candela and a, a defense by committee that's not near as deep as the Auto 67. So I just think when you look at Di Pietro, who, you know, Di Pietro. Uh, is probably the second best goalie in the league this year behind Lukanen. They also have Cedric Andre, who is phenomenal for them as well. So I just don't think uh, the Sudbury Wolves are quite deep enough to make it happen. So uh, yeah, Ottawa in seven for me. Okay, for the other half of that conference's playoffs, we got the Niagara Ice Dogs taking on the Oshawa Generals. And of course, the Oshawa Generals were the last team in the second round here to clinch um, a second round berth, or rather punch their ticket to the next round. Now that's not because they were went to a much longer series, um, but it was just simply because of scheduling. That being said, I'm still going to stick with the Niagara Ice Dogs on this one, and I'm going to give it to them in six. Um, Oshawa, I don't think, had a great um, challenge with Peterborough. I thought Peterborough would take a few more games from them than they did. Uh, but I think Niagara's still got a very good team, and I think that they're going to take it from Oshawa on six. Well, I think for the first time in our prognostication this year, uh, we're going to have someone pick a different winner of a series. I'm actually picking Oshawa Generals in seven. Uh, they have really solid goaltending, and I just think there's a lot of underappreciated forwards there with uh, the Oshawa Generals, like Sajin, McShane, Antropov, and uh, you can keep going that way. Salinitri, yeah, he's had fantastic since coming over from uh, uh, from Sarnia too. Uh, led the league in shorthanded goals. Right. Uh, so I just think there's a lot of underappreciated punch with the Oshawa Generals, and I think they win it in seven. Wow, we have we have a difference already. Uh, and I'm I'm going to go back with with uh, Jamie's comment. I've I've got Niagara winning this series. They just have so much energy and so much firepower on that team, and they they just seem to come out and give it their all every game. And I know, I mean, there's nothing against the Oshawa Generals. They've got a great team out there, too. But Niagara plays with such ferocity. I think they're just going to be a little too much to, to overcome for the Generals. And, and it's going to go six games, but I'm still taking Niagara to win that series. Yeah, I have Niagara in six as well. Um, although I think, as Aaron referenced, the Oshawa Generals have an opportunity to play physical against this highly skilled but very, not very physical Niagara Ice Dogs team. And I think a guy like Sarah Noel, 
all six foot five and strong is going to drive them berserk, actually. But you know what? That being said, they have Jason Robertson. He led the OHL in scoring this year. You know, Akil Thomas, Studnika, Maximov, Ben Jones, who's a heart and soul type player, Ivan Lodnia, Tomasino, and three NHL drafted defensemen on, on the back end. But also Stephen Dillon in net, who was the OHL player of the week three times this year, which led the OHL in that category. You know, Oshawa, they've got some players for sure. Kyle Kaiser's a good goalie. I just don't think they're quite deep enough to take out the highly skilled Niagara team. It's Niagara and six. So looking at the Western Conference, I think the Western Conference matchups are a little bit more even than the Eastern Conference ones are. And the first one we'll look at is the first-seeded London Knights against the fourth-seeded Guelph Storm. If I were to pick a series that could go to seven in this second round, this would be the series. And unfortunately, Steve, I'm going to give this to London in six. Interesting. Uh, I think the fact that the Guelph Storm that finished the year with so many huge additions uh, was not the teams that started the year. So, you know, they might be seeded first and fourth, but I think if you look at where they were at the end of the year, Guelph was just such a powerhouse. So I'm actually taking Guelph in six. Interesting. So now we have one for each side. There you go. Um, I, and I, I picked, I mean, when we went back and did our first round picks, I, I said that Guelph was going to be my pick to win the Western Conference this year. <laughs> and I'm not going to change my, my ways now. Guelph played outstanding in their first round series matchup with Kitchener. In the regular season, they took a couple of games from each other, but uh, in the playoffs, Guelph was just so much power. Kitchener barely was able to even be in the games. And London is a much more um, skilled team. They've got a lot better defense, but better goaltending. But Guelph just seems to have that rhythm right now, and I've got Guelph taking London out in six games as well. I'm sure it's not going to surprise anybody that I have Guelph in six, but, but let me tell you why. Uh, Guelph this year... Uh, they were 4-2 and two against the London Knights. The London Knights lost four games at home this year. Two of them were to Guelph, and they got run out of their own building, which is hard to do at the John Labatt Center, let me tell you. Um, you know, as you said, the acquisitions up front of Suzuki, Enwistle, uh, Gogolev, um, Dursey on the back end, uh, Gordiev on the back end, have just solidified this team, which was already a decent team. And then they have Suzuki, or they have uh, Schnarr, Radcliffe, and a Popovich that looks like he's playing extremely well and looked great in the first round. As I said, they're only going to go as far as Anthony Popovich is going to take them because you have to have good goaltending in the playoffs. Um, if he can match or be just a, about as good as Joseph Raymakers um, or Coy, Jordan Coy, um, Guelph will be fine here. Uh, I mean, London has a ton of talent up front. We know, we know Formanton and Bouchard started the year in the NHL uh, on the back end. Foodie, Hancock with 50 goals. Adam Boquist, who's been ridiculous lately. Um, four NHL drafted D-men. But I believe the Guelph Storm are going to gut this one out. I think they just have a little too much talent for the London Knights. If they get the goaltending, I think it's Guelph in six. All right, in our last series here, the second-seeded Saginaw Spirit against the third-seeded Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. And what I would have really loved to have seen is last year's Sault Ste. Marie team play yeah. this year's Saginaw team. Um, and since this year's Sioux team has lost a number of impact players um, to you know different leagues and things like that, I'm definitely going to have to give this to Saginaw. And perhaps I'm not giving enough credit to the Sioux, but I'm giving it to Saginaw in five. I'm actually going to concur with that. I'm going to say Saginaw in five. 
Um, it's a good segue moment to say next week we have in studio with us uh, Chet Phillips, who uh, started the year with Saginaw Spirit and then uh, played locally for the Mount Forest uh, Patriots after that. Uh, played part of the last two seasons with Saginaw too, so I look forward to getting his insights on the team. But I just think that defensively they're so adept being the Saginaw Spirit that I think they'll be able to shut down the Sioux, Sioux Greyhounds. See, th this was the toughest series for me to choose between uh, the teams played each other eight times in the regular season. They've each won four, but the Sioux won the last two games. They played each other in recent weeks, and that changed my way of thinking a little bit. I was almost leaning towards the Sioux because their goaltending is just incredible, but Saginaw does have that power up front, and, and, and I, I still have to stick with Saginaw on this one. I think it's going to be a Saginaw-Guelph West Coast final, and I got Saginaw in six. Yeah, I have Saginaw in six as well, and, and largely um, because Owen Tippett up front has been dynamic. He's a difference maker. He's had five goals and eight points in his first four playoff games this year. Uh, they have Ryan McLeod who came over in that trade. Bodie Wild was probably the best defenseman in the OHL this year on the back end. Uh, Blade Jenkins up front was great. R Cole Perfetti was the best rookie in the league this year. Uh, they have Albert Nicknash, who I know well from his Guelph days, a point-of-game type player who comes to play at crunch time, Giroux, Gilmore. There's a lot of talent up front. And Prozvatov has found his game um, in the last second half of the OHL season. When you look at the Sioux Greyhounds, yeah, they have the big shooters in Frost and Hayton. Um, they have Sambrook and Hollowell on the back end. Hollowell led all OHL defensemen in, in points. And Vilalta in net, which we know, you know is a great story and, and certainly a high-end NHL drafted player. But they're not, they've lost that depth that they had last year, uh, relatively speaking. Um, they still have some, some familiar faces. But I think the Saginaw Spirit loading up at the trade deadline and getting some of those players that, that augmented their depth did just enough here to, to take down a pretty tough Sioux Greyhounds team who are going to play physical against the Saginaw Spirit. You can bet your bottom dollar they're going to come out and hit that team, that skilled team in the Saginaw Spirit. But I think they're up for it. I think it's Saginaw in six. So it brings us around. We have two minutes left there, folks. So uh, what are you thinking with the Leafs there? How are you feeling as they end of the season? I think, I think they're in deep trouble. They're, 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 it's set now they're going to be playing Boston. We know what their history is with Boston. Can they get past it though, Paul? I mean, they have I, Tavares now. Can, I honestly don't. Get I don't it? think so. I, I mean, two years ago when they were they were in Game Seven, up four games, up four to one with ten minutes left, and I had went on the air at that point and said I was going to dye my hair blue if they won. So I was a little panicky at that <laughs> point. This year, I'm going to make that same prognostication, oh, yeah. and I am going to do the dare. But I don't think that uh, the Leafs have what it takes mentally. To, to beat Boston. They, they're just their nemesis. You know what? They're, the Bruins are a veteran-laden team. Um, the, the truth is the Leafs are very lacking in playoff experience, and I think they're going to have to go through and struggle maybe this first time against a veteran-laden squad. I think it's going to be very tough for the Leafs to advance. I think they're going to win a couple games. I think this will bode well for their future. But NHL, for heaven's sakes, let's change the playoff format. Why should two high-end teams have to play each other in round one? That's my thought. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, I agree. I would say this too. I'm usually, I'm quite often down on the Leafs or skeptical on the Leafs. But you know what? They have Taveras. They've been without Gardner and, you know, some key defense right there has been down. And the fact is Anderson's been exhausted. So they've finally been giving him a little bit of rest recently. So I'm not necessarily going to say the Leafs are going to take it. But come on, don't they at least have a fighting chance in this? 
it's going to be fun to watch and find out. And Babcock, he's kind of the X factor. I think he knows how to prepare a team for the playoffs. So I, probably Boston's going to win. But come on, folks, the Leafs have a chance. I think Boston should be playing the Leafs, paying the Leafs rent because they're in their heads. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I mean, I'd love to see them win, even if it's an overtime of Game Seven. But I honestly believe Boston's going to win this series in five games. Well, that's another edition of Hockey Talk. Chet Phillips, uh, formerly of the Saginaw Spirit, will be along with us next week. So tune in again next week for Hockey Talk.